Hello and welcome to this, the second episode of One Week at a Time, a Box Hill Hawks podcast, brought to you by the wonderful people at Budget Car and Truck Rental, who, as we mentioned last week, have been a fantastic supporter of the football club for a very, very long time now. Uh, my name is Sean Peterbudge, uh, and is now custom. I'm joined by my co-host, Emily Ferguson. Em, how are you? Good, thanks, Sean. How are you? I am very, very well. Uh, how do you think, looking back on episode one, how did it go? I would say pretty well, but I might be biased. We got some encouraging feedback, which was really, really nice. Um, did your sister end up listening in? <laughs> um, I believe she listened to like the first five minutes, but she's not a huge football fan, so she said that was enough. Yeah. We're complete opposites in that respect, but I, at least she tried to listen. Do you want to tease a shout-out for her at some stage in the episode so she might listen? We can dangle the carrot of giving her a shout-out, mentioning her by name. No, and that's we can, enough. We just won't tell her when it is in the episode, so <laughs> no. she'll have to listen. <laughs> That's not going to be enough? No, I don't think – no, she doesn't deserve it. She doesn't want to listen to her own accord. That's just – Savage yeah. but fair. Um, <laughs> I did have to have a laugh though. You mentioned your nan brought up me outing you as a closeted sort of Giants fan. Oh, I wouldn't say closeted. No, no, that is true. But in fairness, I am a Carlton fan. So I, I think I probably needed to clarify that. Um, but when it comes to VFL, we're Obviously. absolutely all about the Hawks. Absolutely, yeah. I think Nan's issue was the fact that you said I was only a Giants fan, which in fact, as weird as it sounds, I go for both the Hawks and the Giants in the AFL, so. That is weird. It is um, weird. And I was, I didn't have that distinction, did I? No. I sort of just hung you out to dry whilst leaving my own dirty secret a yeah. secret. Um, I, th- I think you sort of hit the nail on the head last week when you described the remit of the podcast in our chat with Ed Phillips and the whole premise, I suppose, is built around getting to know our people, you know, celebrating them and having a conversation with them. And as you said, generally, we only speak to players and coaches for sort of two minutes at a time or uh, two minutes 20 on Twitter because that's <laughs> what our video length is capped at. Um, and that can be very formal and you know, sometimes it can be very predictable and very dry. Um, it's just not the time or place to have a conversation with them. So, you know, here we want to unpack who our guest is and what they do outside of the football club in a, in a much longer form. So without further ado, who do we have to have a ch- conversation with uh, this week? This week we have uh, the dashing defender Mason DeWitt with his booming left foot and his long blonde hair. Um, so he started his footy journey with Mount Eliza, spent a couple of years with the Stingrays and under-18s and joined Box Hill prior to the 2019 season after a year with Frankston. I think with Mace too, like the – the footy side of the conversation is always interesting and, and we can't wait to hear about that. Um, but an important side of getting to know Mace and getting him in for a chat is to have a chat about SpeakShare, which is a non-for-profit mental health initiative that he started alongside a couple of mates. And um, we'll obviously let Mace, you know, speak to that himself, but, you know, it's a phenomenal undertaking and, and one worth absolutely talking about, um, which we'll do very, very shortly. Um, so before we sort of get into the chat with Mace, um, if you do listen, it'd be great if you could leave us a review and give the channel a like and subscribe, etc. We always love when you do that. It's really good and it helps us out. Uh, so without further delay, uh, here is our conversation with Mason DeWitt, brought to you by his player partner, David Beaton. So it's a pleasure to have you, Mace. Thanks for joining us. You're um, Buzz Aldrin to Edo's Neil Armstrong in a lot of ways. Second comes right after first. Um, I suppose... First things first, we're now in the back part of the week looking forward to this week against Southport, but 
a disappointing result last weekend. How'd you pull up? It was a pretty wet, wild, physical game. Yeah, it definitely was. Uh, not the result we were looking for. Um, we like to travel. We uh, we enjoy it. We're a good bunch of boys, so we uh, do enjoy to yeah embrace those ones. So definitely not what we were looking for. Um, pulled up okay. We've done our review now, and we'll. Uh, We'll be set to tackle Southport now. We like the big clashes, so we'll be right to go. Did you take anything in specific you know, out of the game ahead of this week's match? Yeah, probably a little bit for us just as players was we didn't play to the structure we wanted to. Um, and Proc mentioned it that, yeah, we had it set up and how we wanted to do it. And when we watched back the game, it, it just wasn't exactly uh, what we were aiming to do. So that's a focus for us this week. And the conditions were a big talking point pre-game. Mm. can get a bit wet and windy down Mornington Way, so surely it wasn't too bad for you. <laughs> nah, that was bloody freezing up there. Sideways rain, we, uh, we don't like that. But uh, Mornington's a holiday destination. It's only good in the summer, so... <laughs> I'll take your word for it. <laughs> um, so we're two-thirds into the 2022 campaign. How have you seen your season so far and the form of the team collectively? Yeah, uh, well, yeah, a couple of weeks ago we were, we were flying. We were up there in the eight. Um, Dropped off a little bit now, so we're just looking to pick that back up and probably just recapture that early season form. Um, we we feel like we definitely should be up there in the eight, so now it's just in reflecting that on the scoreboard and against our opposition. So, yeah, we'll be right. We'll um, crack in for the next few weeks and we'll get ourselves back up there. I suppose we'll have a bit of a chat about your footy journey to start with and Mount Eliza, mm. by the Stingrays, onto Frankston. Uh, now you're obviously with us. How do you reflect on your time in the under-18 program with uh, Danny Nong? Yeah, I absolutely loved the Stingrays. Um, bit of a different setup when you, yeah, I go straight from school and I used to go straight there and get there at 4, 4.30 and you're just straight into it. Um, but there was a good group of us boys that did that and we used to just have a great time when we were there. We used to <laughs> crack a few jokes on the like the drive home and that as well and we were all fresh 18, got our licence, thinking how good is this, we used to love it, so... The classic honking on the way home and all that jazz, but um, no, I can't speak more highly of the Stingrays. It was an awesome time and period in my football, um, and I think really developed me and set me up for yeah my career going forward. Any sort of bigger name teammates during your time there that the listeners would be aware of? Hunter Clark, yes. Luke Davies, yes, was good. Tom DeConning, um, Tom Murphy got drafted from our year. Miles Bolkey, Josh Battle. There was a few that went around, so. You must, have, you must have gone okay that year? Hey, we, uh, we were flying. We were top of the ladder, like only lost two games and then we went out in straight sets in finals. So not ideal. Not ideal at all, <laughs> no. Nah. We were set up for a big show and then it just didn't produce. I suppose for you come draft night, your name isn't called out. And that's a reality, isn't it, for more kids than not yeah. um, that you sort of have to deal with, you know, chasing the AFL dream. And how did you tackle, you know, the disappointment of that and then what came next for you in your footy journey? Yeah, definitely a tough one. And I can say that I did have a little bit of interest and probably thought I was a bit of a sniff to go in the draft. Um, so when it doesn't happen, yeah, you probably don't plan for it and, you, yeah, you're not sure uh, how to take it. So I just had a little bit of, like, self-reflection, I guess. So I remember straight after it and I probably thought I was more in the rookie draft. That's a little bit of the talk that I'd had. Um, that's during the day. And then I just remember after that I just went to the beach with a dog and went for a walk for a couple of hours because I was like, I just need a bit of fresh air. Um, but like footy, it's just another week and you've got to move on pretty quickly and then you look forward to uh, what it is next and that's what I had to do. 
And so you spent a year at Frankston in 2018 before making the switch to City Oval for the 2019 season. Mm -hmm. What was it about Box Hill's pitch that got you over and how did that process play out for you? Yeah, I'd spoken to a few VFL clubs um, coming straight out of TAC and decided to go with Frankston um, close to home. Wasn't sure if I, what I was doing with study or work and it was the easy option for me. Um, but I think in that 2019 or the start of the year, I was kind of a little bit more set. I was ready in my study. Um, had work lined up and I thought maybe I am ready to make that jump and to go into Box Hill and they had stayed in contact um, and Chris Monaghan was a big part in that. Um, so yeah, just went to lunch with him again and he sort of put a picture forward and I said that, yeah, that does sort of suit me and that's how it would look and pretty happy to come on board and I'm glad I did now. We're glad you did too. <laughs> um, but after that, you spent a bit of time playing footy in the Northern Territory. Can you tell mm. us a bit about that experience? How did it come about? What did you take out of it? I absolutely loved that experience. Um, <clears throat> we escaped Melbourne's lockdown, so it was pretty grim going for a little while and there was sort of this floating idea of yeah, the NT season goes over summer, we're not playing. Um, how like We just sort of threw it out there and then that was on the Tuesday night and on the Thursday we were flying. We were up there ready to go. So it came about so quickly, did our two weeks quarantine, um, which was a party. We loved it <laughs> at Howard Springs. That was awesome. And then, yeah, we just jumped into the Tewi Bombers jersey and we decided to play with them for purely just the culture around it and just throw ourselves into it and then and see what comes of it. Um, didn't win a game, got flogged absolutely every, every <laughs> week. We were terrible, but... I would do it again tomorrow and I would play for that exact same team again. It was just something about it. And week to week, like we spent a bit of time out on the TV Islands and that's an experience that a lot of people don't get to do. Um, and I just absolutely loved it. So I'll be getting back when I can. The, your positivity when you were telling that story, I was prepared for you had a great year and it went off, we were flying. It was like, no. Yeah, I nah. wasn't expecting that either. It was complete opposite. <laughs> well, we did have a great year. Well, yeah, just, yeah. If you look at the scoreboard, just we didn't have a great year. Not in between the sirens, no. I suppose. <laughs> um, I was having a chat to Dan Napoli the other day um, the great man, Naps, shout out. And he yeah. mentioned that your start to last year was exceptional and there was a bit of chatter internally as to was it just because you, you hit the ground running because of the Northern Territory footy, you were, you were had your, so many guys hadn't played mm. for so long and you were just absolutely dialled in. Yeah, I absolutely reckon it definitely enhanced my footy and helped me get prepared for the season ahead. Um, you nothing like you can do all the running in the world, but nothing compares to playing a game of footy. And playing in the 41 degree heat on the Terry Islands is something that you can't match in a training session. So, yeah, that is definitely something that prepared me. And even when I come, came back, I felt better physically. I felt fit. I was ready to go. So there was a little bit of the two sides of have I played too much footy? Am I going to burn out early? Or... Is it going to enhance my footy? And I think it definitely yeah, helped me. That's did did sure. you feel any hint of burnout as the season sort of wore on? No, nah, not at all. I I actually don't think that's a thing now. Yeah. But if footy was an all-year-round sport, you'd be able to get up for it, I think. So, yeah. We'll just get Dylan Vazari on to talk about <laughs> that. We probably have to do something with training loads and, yeah, that's and management. But um, I've got to say, Mace, so I was a touch nervous this past November or December, you know, we, we'd returned to training and there were a couple of new faces, you know, filtering in and, oh, okay, he's new and a couple of familiar faces would make their way back in. I thought, oh, yeah, good. But there was no Mason DeWitt to start with. Uh, obviously, not to spoil the mystery, you did resign because you're here. Yep. Um, but how did that process kind of play out? Because, you know, footy can be a waiting game. Yep. And there was a little bit of, we all wanted you to come back and I understand the club were really keen, but there was a bit of a, we just have to wait and see. Yeah, that was, yeah, 
a little bit of a strange one, and I guess I wasn't too sure myself a little bit as well. You got to weigh up a few things. Um, but it was probably one conversation that had that we're going to have to wait a little bit just to see with contracts and people coming back and whatnot. And then it was probably two days later that they said, bugger that, like, we'll, we'll offer you something and we want to have you here. And it, it probably wasn't so much the we can't offer you something. They were always going to offer me a contract, but it was more we're not sure if you're going to play every week or we can't guarantee it. Um, but yeah, that I, I guess I took it as a little bit of a no one's set and you're not going to play every week. So get your, yeah, go to work over pre-season and then it's turned out all right so far. I just remember we had a, a Saturday session here and you, you rocked up. And it wasn't, we weren't, we were only a week or two in. You weren't like months gone by. Yeah. But you sort of walked in. I remember going, oh, good, he's back. He's here. Okay, that's obviously panned out. Ah, uh, good man. <laughs> uh, Ferg wanted us to ask you a question. Oh, God. Um, you, apparently he has said, are you only a defender because you're left-footed? <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, no, I don't know. I've just always navigated to the back line, I guess. I think I've always been a defensive mindset in the way I play. So, uh, yeah, Fergie, you got me there. <laughs> Hugh, Beasley. The Hugh, Hugh Beasley's out the. He's not being too much of a pest, but he's there. He needs to go home, mate. It's late. He's got nowhere to be tomorrow. School no, holidays. he doesn't, does he? Um, I suppose ultimately, though, how much do you love pushing up the ground and being a little bit more offensive? Anywhere yep. from 65 metres out? Yep. You're, you're thinking, you're sizing them up? Oh, if there's no one in the goal square. But, uh, yeah, I that's that's like my role, I guess, in the team is I need to be the attacking defender and I guess that first one to drive our attack. Um, the boys can look after my man, can't they? They'll, they'll sort that out. But uh, Is that a job for Stu Horner? Yeah, thanks, Stewie. Yeah, shout out to him. He'll look after me this weekend. That was one of but, my um, favourites, um, Aaron Cornelius. So we had, we mic'd. I reckon Stu was one of the first players we mic'd up and he had a couple of barbs. He had a couple of jabs at Ace. Um, and then we mic'd Ace up a little bit later on and he returned the favour. Nice. <laughs> um, he, he actually spent most of it just standing in the backfield sending messages to Stu Horner. <laughs> and it was mostly just arm across. Yeah, that sounds exactly like Ace. That's what he'd be doing. <laughs> and so we mentioned our clubs uh, in the AFL before getting you on today. Um, so we kind of want to know how much footy do you consume week to week? Like it's interesting to gouge how much the boys who are living the game, mm. how much do you watch? Yeah, I'm not uh, – I probably was bigger on it than what I am now, but – um, no, it's, I'm, I follow the Swans, so I'll probably chuck them on if they're playing, but I don't watch a lot uh, outside of that, to be honest. It's probably something we always have on in the background as a family, or if we've got people over, you watch the footy, it's just something you do. But no, I never go out of my way to watch a game of footy. I'm always doing something else. Is there a particular player that you sort of idolised growing up or modelled yourself on? Um, yeah, maybe probably later years. Um, Nick Haynes, I'm a big fan of. Um, He's playing forward at the moment and they need to get him back. But um, I'm not about that. No, he needs yeah. to get to the back line Put him again. back, yeah. He's an All-Australian halfback for a reason. Put him Elite back Elite interceptor, like, come on. Yeah, he's the man. <laughs> he's a local man from where I'm from as well, so uh, maybe there's a little something in that. But, yeah, Nick Haynes is uh, one that I like to follow. Good choice. Mm. Yeah. Um, and now a bit of a, a divert from what we were just talking about, but yep. how close did you come to cutting your hair last year? Oh, we're off the footy, aren't we? Because, <laughs> we've moved on. Yeah, because I hear there was a pretty senior figure at the club who was keen-ish to see you cut it off, from yep. what I've been told. Definitely. Um, he might have been the senior coach. Yes, and I reckon there wasn't too many weeks that went past where there wasn't at least five mentions of it. <laughs> and to be honest, that's why I didn't cut it. <laughs> you can't give him what he wants. you gotta, got to keep it around. And I'm happy with it. doesn't annoy me, so... 
It was annoying him though. I the, know that. What about <laughs> the, there was a bit of a whisper because we had um, Charlie Beasley yep. and Josh Legrice. They yeah. both cut their hair for charitable causes, which mm. was absolutely outstanding. Yep. That that wasn't even enough to motivate you. <laughs> some some kind of charity drive, some kind of fundraising effort. No. Well, the man you're talking about, Sam Mitchell, that uh, he yeah just wanted my hair gone. Uh, but I just reminded him that I donated both to Visa <laughs> and to Josh the guy, so I was happy to chip into theirs, but uh, they didn't need my hair gone. And it's still here today. I just still remember sitting in certain team meetings and he, he would it was really funny because he would it was sort of half a joke. Yeah. But the other half was deadly serious. Hundred yeah. percent. Um and it was kind of just gentle needling. It was a lot of we would be watching footage and he would point out <laughs> whenever Mace would brush the hair out of his eyes. Yeah. And I have to say this, that I, I do that a lot, and I know I do, but I cut my hair short. I used to play basketball flat out, and I cut it really short, and I always did it still. I still had that little brush of my, my hair out of my eyes, even then there wasn't any hair there. So it's habit. So it's a habit, yeah. <laughs> so you can remind him of that. <laughs> I'm sure he's a listener. Yeah, um, he will be. Now, Mace, you've fallen foul of this in the past couple of weeks, I suppose. The ins and outs every week, mm. which um, <laughs> can be our remit, week to week, they do cause controversy and angst amongst the group and, and you have fallen foul, as I mentioned. Yep. I do need to apologise for one, geez, would it have been two or three weeks ago when the ins and outs read like you'd been dropped. Yeah. Um, you were actually quite ill. Thank you. Thank and, you for clarifying uh, that. Which game was that? Ah, <laughs> uh, what game was that? Because it looked a bit brutal. It looked like you've, you've, just, you've been dropped. North Melbourne. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you just did have me on the omitted, I think, or the out. Um, nah, that's that's footy. I was out, so yeah, I guess you can say it doesn't doesn't change too much. It we'll did, blame Sean for that one. Well, will, yeah. it, it did look like it was form related <laughs> when it was absolutely <laughs> not. Um, but there are a few boys who do take very very particular notice of where they are on the team sheet mm. and if they've been sort of quasi omitted. Yep. Why is that? Because you all know if you have or haven't been. Yeah. I always find it so funny. There is Stu Horner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, a, he's a big one. Yeah, he is. Um, wants to be on the field. Does not like to be the man that's quasi-dropped. Mm. Even if he knows full well, he is in the team. <laughs> You've had a couple of brushes with these conversations. I have. Where you would prefer to be not the one dropped. Well, I've got an answer for you, Sean. Love it. You're, you do an amazing job on the media, <laughs> both of you. Oh, no. You've got a huge following. You, you do. There's a lot of people around. My family watch it. My extended friends, they're, they're relying on that for their information. No pressure. If they see DeWitt out. They see Horner out. They're straight on the phone. They're on the phone calls on a Friday oh afternoon. No. What's going on, mate? I'm like, what are you talking about? You're not playing this week. Nah, I'm playing. Where have you read that? See, but you're so, exactly right. But you know they're playing. You know that you're in the team. I know I'm playing, but the wider community, they don't know. They rely on it. So this is... Uh, this is where it comes from. Another shout-out, Harry Rook. Yeah. Great man. man. He is a great um, man. He's, he's sometimes been known to make some awkward phone calls. Has he? About can you be the one who's, oh. who's out? You may have received a phone call of this nature. I think Fergus Green has received one. He doesn't pick up the phone. It's just a text message. <laughs> oh, is it really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Come on, H. Oh. Probably could be a phone call, couldn't it? I've heard it might have been a phone call. Mm. There you go. But they don't – yeah, it's it's an awkward one to broach. I, I think he just needs to be ruthless about it. Yeah. Well, he goes – he sends you the message saying, sorry, mate, do you mind if we 
was it out of the team or on the bench or I think I think it's usually out of the team. Yeah. So the team that we will the, the, so the team that we will publish. Yeah. You'll be out of that. Mm. But obviously as every team does, you'll you'll come back in when the AFL listed boys go out. Yeah. Well I yeah, and I just said to him, mate, just just name the team for what it is. <laughs> I'm, I'm in the team, put me in it. <laughs> I don't get it. Oh, we no. don't need to play any games here. I like it. <laughs> yeah, so anyone who follows you on Instagram will know about your pride and joy, not your family, which oh. is very well presented, but we're talking about your caravan. So how's oh. that going? Well, it's not actually a caravan, but it's oh, my sorry. van car. Yeah, it's same, same. Um, I do love it and I am glad that you brought that up. It is my uh, pride and joy. Uh, yeah, so I guess for those that don't know, I have a little bit of a hobby in taking out vans and uh, as campers. So, yeah, in the back of the one I'm doing now, I've got a little surfboard back on the side, um, putting a sink in, I've got a pull-out bed with a few drawers and there's a fridge in there and a cooktop and all um, that. So. You just told me it wasn't a caravan. It sounds uh, like a caravan. Yeah, yeah, well, I don't have to tow it. <laughs> it's already Fair, in the back. Okay. Yeah. I think it started life as just like a like a like sort of like a work van, didn't it? It did, yeah. I. I just initially bought a van and I just thought I am just wanted a bit of fun, a bit of space. Um, and then, yeah, I just thought I would start decking it out. And then this is my third one now, so I just deck them out and then I've, I've sold them on. I reckon I'll keep this one for a little bit and it's kind of got everything that I want in it. Um, but the reason I don't tow is because I've got a postie bike that I put on the back. So ah, I set, okay. up the, set up the van camping and then I can dart off on the postie bike to go to the shop. What, what uh, do you use? Because Paso's got a postie bike. Does he? Yeah. Oh, see, I didn't know this. See, I knew that Paso did clearly because I just mentioned it. Mm. I didn't know that you did. Oh, there you go. So have you got you've, have you got the older model? Like Paso's got quite an – his is like a 2003. Oh, nice. No, his beats mine. I've got the newer model. See, I reckon the new – I reckon the newer – with the sort of big front. Yeah. See, I reckon the newer model's better. Yeah, it's just – I like the retro approach of the old one. They're cool. They run a bit hot. They sound they're a bit smelly. They're a bit, bit noisy, but they're cool. They're, they're bulletproof. Yeah, mine's a bit – too fancy. He's got the like electric screen on the front and that. Doesn't so, really? Yeah, I back his over mine. Yeah. There you go. See, oh, that's funny. I did not know that. Mm. Um, another one from Ferg. <laughs> um, actually, first up, just sorry with the van. Yeah. I just had a thought then, diverting from the run sheet. Um, what have you? I suppose this you said the third one you've done. Yeah. What What have you kind of has that process of has sort of evolved? Are there things that you keep from the first or the second one that work for me? I'll keep that. Yeah. And then when you get to so I know with anything creative, you know, like this project you're doing, do you get to this stage and go, you know what, something I haven't done before? Yeah, definitely. And I, I'm i like big on it. I do like a little bit of research of how I can like make it look. And as, to be honest, it's probably my skills that developed. The first one, you know, was okay. It's still standing. But uh, <laughs> I'm getting better as I sort of go on and I challenge myself a little bit now. But I love it, just like the design of it. This one now I've had to – I've got a Labrador dog. So I had to factor her into that. So I've got a bed that can fold up so that there's a bit of floor space, enough room for her to sleep so that I can oh my God. fold I love up on the that. bed as well. Yeah. Could you put in like a little like cubby style doghouse? Mm. Oh, here we go. See, we're talking <laughs> Next now. edition, there you go. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. So you, another one now. you're kind of on top of that. Mm. And then I, I don't like dogs in beds. So like she's got to be on the floor, I'll yeah. be on the bed. So I've made it work. She, she can get in now. She's getting a little bit old too. So she's better on the floor. <laughs> Yeah. So we'll go back to Ferg. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Yep. So he, look, I, I like sort of asking a few of the boys, you know, what's something we could potentially ask whoever we might have on. Mm. Um, Ferg offered me the, the uh, what did you mention before, the left-footer thing? 
Yep. Which I was like, okay, we'll go with that. And then the other one he said was um, you'd apparently gone through a bit of a phase where he'd be at work, his nine-to-five job, <laughs> you know, the grind. Um, where this is going. And, and you would send him photos and videos doing? Uh, it'll either be surfing or jet skiing. Jet skiing. Jet skiing, yep. <laughs> and he said, you know, a, a couple of times in he kind of thought, I think enough's enough. <laughs> yep. I'm is, guilty. I'm guilty. <laughs> uh, that's the uni life. I lived it for a bit and, you know, school holidays, I was all about embracing it, especially over summer. Uh, but yeah, one way or another, I'm always in the water, that's for sure. Yeah. Understandable. Mm. He's got me there though. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't liking it too for a while. I didn't actually send him to Ferg specifically. I just oh, pop him up online or whatever it is. It always reply. It always react to it. It sounds like jealousy to it me. It sounds yeah, – see, the way he told yeah. the story was that you were you were almost – targeting him <laughs> the way that he told the story it felt like initially i thought oh maybe it's in a group chat mm. and i was like yeah okay and then, then it kind of sounded a bit more like you were just direct messaging him <laughs> and then now it's not that at all maybe there was a little bit of that towards the end <laughs> because you it reacted found out he reacted yeah. yeah don't give me the reaction and i won't keep it on <laughs> um so we'll have a chat now about what you're doing with yourself away from footy but Ooh. firstly you're a pretty laid back and chilled kind of guy where where does that come from I try to be, yeah. Um, there actually is a moment that it, it does come from. I was uh, quite crook when I was younger. Um, so I had like a disease in my bowel and I was in hospital for a fair chunk of time. Um, and it's called Crohn's disease. And I'm a very lucky case of it. I have nothing that goes on with it now. Um, but had surgery and there's a couple of things that it's something that you can have come back. And there's a few things that make it come back. Um, spicy foods, alcohol, drugs, those sort of things that are no good for anything. But the big one um, was stress. And if you stress that it is something that makes it, yeah, more prone to come back. And that's probably just something that really, like, resonated with me, that it's the stress is something that you can manage and it's probably, like, a lifestyle or a mindset sort of thing. So, um, yeah, that was a, probably a moment in my life that I wasn't going too good and it was a battle and... I was pretty crook for a little while, so I'm pretty prepared to do anything I can to make sure it doesn't come back and to live a healthy lifestyle. Um, so that moment, and then I've had a couple of things in our family. Our cousin, my cousin passed away, and he was one of my best mates, and he like just lived life to the fullest. Um, and he passed away at the age of 29, but I reckon there wasn't too much that he didn't achieve in his 29 years. So from that as well, I was kind of like, that's how you need to live your life. In, Capture every moment. There's nothing worth stressing about or worrying about. Just go out and have a bit of fun. And obviously, we we tend to you know see you almost exclusively inside the the footy club. Mm. And and it's so funny because there's almost a bit of a thread, isn't it? We mentioned last week in our chat with Ed and and the conversation we'd had with Ports the week before. And one of the key things they both spoke about was not taking footy so seriously. Mm. And it's like yeah, like it's competitive and it's combative and it's all that, but it's also it's a pretty fun place to be when, when you let it, you know, the boys are great, all the staff are great. You know, we're so lucky at this footy club and I suppose you probably notice that you come in and you're sort of going, we're here to, we're here to win and we're here to have a win on the weekend and that's great, that's what we want to do. Yeah. But at the same time, look, let's let's keep it as light and as fun, as enjoyable a place as we can possibly yeah. to achieve that. Absolutely. We go to work, like we, we grind and pre-season's the grind and throughout the season we're working hard but – reason we all come back is for the enjoyment you've got to love what you're doing and we've got a great bunch of boys that just genuinely like hanging out with each other and 
genuinely take an interest in each other's lives. And to be honest, that I'm big for off the off-field things that you do and how connected you are goes a long way to your on-field success. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's funny you mention that connect, you know, connectivity and and you know, finding. Um, I could, have, I could have muted you. I could have oh, pressed yeah, the mute button. Have to cough in the mic. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, yeah, connectivity and and getting to know people. You know, outside you're studying teaching. Finished now, but did yeah. Perfect. Yep. And I mean, you're not alone there. No. How many teachers, past teachers, current teachers studying, you know, at the footy club do we have? Have you got a little bit of a teacher's union? Yeah. I, I guess we all do navigate together a little bit as teachers. There's a fair bit we can relate to there. Um, there's a few, fair few primary teachers as well, so we have a bit of a laugh and a bit of a joke. Oh, so them, that was my next question. So you're doing primary? I do primary teaching, yeah. yeah. perfect. Yep. But, yeah, you're right. There's a bloody heap of teachers here. So don't know if there's... Something in that. Yeah, is that in the contract? You have to be a teacher. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> you know what I find really interesting too is that, like, so I remember when I was growing up, and it's it's so funny you say the primary level because you're in a better position than me to answer if this has changed. But I felt like I went through primary school at a time. I, I think I had one male teacher mm. in my whole seven years at primary school. And it just felt like it, that's not the school's fault. There just weren't options. Yeah. And I think it actually is a really important part. Not, not to say it has to be a 4-3 split, or, but mm. where you can to give kids, you know, a male role model or mentor figure and a female role model, mentor figure. And that's something that I still remember. My grade four teacher, Mr. Reynolds, mm-hmm. just fantastic. And shout out to Mr. Reynolds. Shout out to Mr. Reynolds. <laughs> He'll be listening. I'm yep. sure he will be. Yep. Um, but is that is that sort of exciting or important to you that in however many years' time there'll be a kid yeah. giving a shout out to a Mr. DeWitt <laughs> on a podcast? But it is something that I, I sort of reflect on now and it is cool to kind of see that there are, seemingly, yeah. more male, you know, um, primary teachers. There definitely is now and you're right, there probably wasn't, um, if we go back a few years, that it was probably more of a female-dominated industry and I think it probably still is majority more females. Um, but yeah, the male teaching is growing and not just the PE teachers in the classroom as well and it's a great thing. Schools are always going to pick the best teacher for the job, whether it's male or female, but to have more males involved and you're right, for the younger kids to look up to and to have those conversations and be a role model, I guess, in, in their life is a special thing and they spend, there's a, some sort of statistic about how much time kids spend at home compared to how much they're at school and they're at school for a long chunk of their life. So if you've got male and female role models in their life, it's a, especially teachers that do a great job. It's a good thing to have. Absolutely. Do you find that with the boys, there's so many of you that are doing it and, and you mentioned so many that are doing the primary aspect as well. Do you sort of pick each other's brains at all? No, probably not enough. That's dangerous. <laughs> yeah, that is dangerous. <laughs> it's, it's, as I said, I just always – jeez, we can't rattle them all off, but there's so many guys mm. that, are, that are doing it. It's just – it's an extraordinary coincidence, isn't it? It is, yeah. And it we – it is good luck. People know what your day-to-day looks like when they're a teacher as well. So you might be naked after a long day in the classroom and people can tell straight away. So mm. that's important as well. Mm. Speaking of that, um, I can see your lovely jumper you've got on right yeah. now. Yeah. Um, we know a little bit about it, but can you tell people listening and us as well a little bit about Speak Share? Yeah. So um, Speak and Share is a mental health uh, organisation that I started with um, two of my good mates um, back from the peninsula. Um, and 12 months ago, as of last week, we started it and we're three school teachers, um, all from the peninsula and 
we were coming out of our study and we said being a teacher um, would be an amazing career. Um, but kind of what more can we do, I guess, um, in this industry? And we saw the disconnect from COVID and the, the two years that these students had to go through. Um, so we thought, yeah, there's probably a chance here for us to have an impact on the mental health of those around us. Um, and we've found yeah, ways of doing that through, we've developed a school program, a sporting club program. And then the other one is businesses. The last two years have had people working from home and um, in the office and they're disconnected. So we've got a corporate business offering as well. So yeah, we're proud of where it's at. Hmm. Absolutely. And so can you tell us a bit more about those programs that you run? What do they involve and how do they go? Yeah, so our main one, we, we started on social media and we just put an idea out there um, and we were happy to be guided by our community and what it looked like. Um, and this has basically led us to where we are now. So we do videos and we try to add a little bit of humour in there with our terrible acting. Um, I would say that. They're great. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was looking for. I was searching. It's a positive reinforcement. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, and we always have a message behind these these videos. So we add a bit of humour because we want to break down the stigma of mental health, that it doesn't have to be this big, scary elephant in the room. Um, and through these videos, we've found we've been able to connect with people that they relate to the issue that is going on um, in the video that we like to show. So social media has been a huge part in developing Speak and Share. And then from there, we, being school teachers, we needed to develop a program. So we've already rolled out our sporting club program where... We go out to sporting clubs anywhere in Victoria um, and we have a program that we present and it's all around vulnerability and we say that vulnerability is optional so nothing is ever forced. But we share our own stories uh, and we like to create a safe space for people to open up to share theirs to each other. And then we uh, just big on showing some of the strategies that you can use to ensure that somebody always knows that there's people there to rely on and a shoulder to lean on. Um, we're in the process of developing our school program, which will be very close and we'll roll that out next year um, or the back end of this year as well. And then our corporate offering as well. So that's when we go into businesses and yeah, we just want to reconnect them again because they're doing a lot over the, the laptop screen at the moment. So if we can go in and yeah, provide a bit of a program to reconnect them, then it'd be pretty special. Well, was that sort of the primary catalyst, just that COVID disconnect that you guys noticed, you know, the last two years have been, you know, really challenging and... Um, isolated a lot of people. Well, was that the main sort of catalyst? You know, what got those conversations going? Yeah. Because uh, I think you – did you play – was one of the – was it Nathan was yep. Stingrays with you? Yeah, he was. Yep. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Um, it actually wasn't COVID. Um, we were up in the NT um, and one of our good mates from back home um, suicided and he passed away and that hit uh, especially um, – so I do it with Ben and Nathan and that hit Ben um, – pretty hard and it was tough to see him go through this time and also during that time um, Nathan had a few struggles that he was going through himself with um, some things in his family and then yeah we said that if we are going through these things and we have each other to lean on then it's so important that other people have the same experience because we're realistically going to have times in our life where we are challenged and we need to know how to rise above these challenges and a big one from what we're doing is we want to speak to people and want to present our program when people are going well and they are in a great space and we want to keep them that way so that when there is times in their life where they will be faced with challenge, hopefully when they are in that dip, the things that we do will rise them up again a bit quicker than yeah, what was originally planned. 
Yeah, so one of the words you mentioned before was stigma, and I think it's such an important word in these conversations because even you know, with the subject of suicide, there's almost a stigma around the word, mm, isn't there? Is. there? Yeah. And it's, <clears throat> I find that's a really significant stumbling block to not just the conversation but coping and awareness and it feels like when, when these terrible instances happen, you know, it's, it's almost uncomfortable to say the word because everyone knows what it means and what it leads to but that kind of restricts what comes next in the conversation and opening up to people and yeah. feeling as comfortable as you could. Absolutely and it is a tough conversation to have. Mm. Just the word itself is yeah, not something that's easily spoken about. We did a, we've done a few training courses now and one of them was the um, mental health first aid as well as a suicide prevention course and in that it says that when you are speaking to somebody and you can see they're not going too well that a main approach to have is are you feeling suicidal and to address it straight away and when we first thought that we're like wow that's like really full-on it's confronting isn't it it's so like, confronting like, yeah especially if the person's not going too well you don't mm. sure if you want to say that but that way that if you know that if their answer is yeah i'm having these thoughts or no, I'm not, there is appropriate measures to take either way and that's how you can kind of guide the path that you take to, yeah, seek the right help. You mentioned just before that um, sort of nearly 12 months ago is when this whole thing kind of crystallised and, and, and has sort of started the germ of the idea and becoming mm. what it is now. Is it true that, you know, quite early on in the process you had a chat with uh, Proc? Yeah. You know, who's obviously doing similar work and, and a great deal of work with uh, Check Me. Absolutely, yeah. No, um, Proc is was awesome to help us early days and we actually had a few meetings with him in setting it up because he's been in the field for a little while now. Um, and a big part of the story that we share is that we are not uh, health mental health professionals. We're just members of our community and I think that's maybe why we're having the success so far that we don't talk down to people because we are just one of them and we um, yeah, are just facilitators of the conversation. So Brock's been a, a big help in uh, setting that up and there's been a lot of good people that we've been able to be guided by. Sometimes it is. You just need to – starting the conversation mm. is the hardest part for a lot of people. You mentioned vulnerability and feeling comfortable enough to speak to someone, anyone, you know, yeah. about, about how you're feeling. And it, hopefully for some people it's just about getting things off your chest and, you know, being heard. But, um, I mean, look, shout out to Proc that what he's doing with Check Me – yeah. Um, is absolutely phenomenal, and and you two are you know quite aligned in a lot of ways, which is uh, which is great. Yeah, absolutely. And so, where are you guys hoping that it goes in the next twelve months and beyond? Yeah, so we have huge dreams that we want it to be the biggest mental health organisation in the country, and we plan to drive it and and try our best to get there. Um, but yeah, just through these programs, and we run community events as well. So we just want to keep on developing these. Obviously, our merchandise has been a big factor in also helping spread the message and. One thing that we do love about our merchandise is you'll walk down the street and if someone's wearing the same hat or the same jumper, at, at least it's a, a smile or it's a hello. And that's already a good thing in starting the conversation and people are recognising it. So um, that's been a great thing. But yeah, we just want to keep on building and that natural growth. And there, there is a lot of uh, time and effort that's going into what we are doing. And it's a little bit hard to measure the success that you have and the reward of it. Um, but every now and then we get these amazing messages come through of the support that people have felt and how it's led to something and that all makes it worthwhile for us. I suppose it's a little bit like footy in some ways, isn't it, where you feel like you're doing a lot of work, a lot of work, a lot of work mm. and it's all of a sudden the, something clicks and you go, oh, there it is. Yeah, oh, absolutely, yeah. 
And so where can our listeners find you if they'd like to know more or set up a program or anything like that? Yeah, so our main one is Instagram. Um, so speak double underscore share is where we yeah, do most of our media content. Um, however, we also have a website, so www.speakandshare.com is what that is. Uh, and that also can link you to our Instagram as well. Beautiful. All right, Mace, we've got a little segment happening in our podcast. Uh-huh. Um, so this is Quick Hands. Just going to give you a few questions, just whatever first comes to your mind. Cool. Ed Phillips was the lead at this, wasn't he? He was good. I had a listen, yeah. <laughs> you, you can match him? I oh, reckon. I don't know, yeah. All He's right. a tough man to follow. <laughs> All right, we ready? Hold on. There it is. All right, so would you prefer to spend a day at the beach or by the river? Beach. Who wins our best and fairest this year? Oh, Callum Porter. What is your pre-game meal? Pre-game meal, fettuccine carbonara the night before. Delicious. Who is the best on the training track? Oh, on the track. Uh, a few of the younger boys. Cogs goes well. Yep. Somewhere you haven't travelled to but would like to? Uh, haven't travelled to. I'd love to just do the round lap of Oz in the van. Who is the funniest teammate you have? <laughs> uh, Ports is a funny man. Kick a goal or save a goal? <laughs> As a defender, you meant to say save, but I'll always take a snag. <laughs> John Kavara or Ben Kavara? Yeah, I thought this, com- this one was going to come up. Johnny every day of the week. <laughs> <laughs> Any game day superstitions? Uh, I just put my boots on left to right. Love that. And what's your hair care routine? Hair care, no. I haven't washed shirt in about two years, so nothing. <laughs> Unexpected. Okay. <laughs> one we didn't get time for, but we have to ask, who should we interview in a future episode? Yeah, we've mentioned him a little bit tonight, but Stewie Horner was in my ear saying, get me on the podcast. Oh, that oh, sounds – so. oh, that feels like yeah. a lie. <laughs> <laughs> that feels like a mistruth. I don't know what you're talking about. No, get him on. He'd love it. He'd um, love actors, it. This one here too, which is cool, is no pressure. Mm. Is there one piece of advice you would give to anyone who feels as though they're struggling with yeah. their mental health? Just reach out to – and that can be – so obviously every uh, situation is different and unique in its own way, but reach out to somebody that you feel comfortable, whether that's a parent from home or a family member, one of your mates, um, or we have, we are lucky these days, we have a lot of amazing services out there and Lifeline is a great one. So you can call Lifeline and they will just talk you through how to seek help. You don't actually have to seek the help, but they will talk you through the process. So big one would just be to reach out. Mm. Well, thank you so much for your time, mate. It's been great to have you on, talking from your footy journey to speak share. It's been very great. We're very grateful to have you on. No, the pleasure is mine. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Mace. So that chat with Mason DeWitt, which I hope you certainly enjoyed as much as we did um, having it with him, uh, was brought to you by his player sponsor, David Behan. What did you make of that, Em? Really good. Always love having a chat with Mace, so it's just good for other people to be able to hear it. As we mentioned, he does have a different sort of chill vibe, doesn't he? It's good. It's very calming. Uh, I suppose this week we'll just do some housekeeping. Uh, obviously playing on Saturday afternoon. I was going to say morning, but it's 12.35. Um, we'll actually be wearing the Indigenous Guernsey this week, obviously being NAIDOC week, uh, which is excellent for Thorpey, of course, who Absolutely, didn't yes. get the chance to wear it when we first um, donned it against the Gold Coast a few weeks back. Uh, the jumper is designed by his cousin, uh, Corey, who... Fantastic artist, does a lot of great work. I think they actually work alongside one another with um, community programs and the like, which is brilliant. And it's a really beautiful piece. It's a, a wonderful representation of Indigenous culture in the Box Hill region, which is great. So if you haven't seen it, uh, head to our Instagram page, do a bit of a scroll down. Um, we've got some really cool coverage of when we wore it against the Suns and 
uh, depicts the Bunjil and the Eagle Hawk flying above Box Hill um, as the protectors of the region, uh, which is awesome. We had a great chat with uh, Corey about who described it and told the story of the jumper, which was really, really great. So as I said, 12.35 this Saturday afternoon at Box Hill City Oval, we take on the Southport Sharks, who are in really, really good form. They've dropped just the two games for the year against uh, Richmond and Casey, I think it is. Uh, they're coming off the bye. So we're obviously coming off a couple of disappointing losses. Um, so it's a really good opportunity to be back at City Oval and hopefully back on the winner's list. Hopefully. Uh, school holiday clinic this past Tuesday, Tuesday wasn't it? It was, a, it was another fantastic day. Yeah, great turnout. Danny's done a great job. All the boys getting involved. It's excellent. Special shout out to Danny who sort of led the charge on that and delivered the club's first school clinic. Um, so the, over the two weekends, uh, two weeks, sorry, the school holidays on the Tuesday, we had a couple of hundred kids turn out each time. Uh, as you mentioned, all the boys who came out did a great job and AFL Vic obviously did a great job supporting um, the second, which is good. So we, we obviously look forward to do many more in due course. So just keep an eye out about that. Um, and we've actually got an exciting event coming up, not this weekend, but next weekend. Yes, we're so excited to launch our inaugural Box Hill Hawks Hall of Fame. Uh, so the first class of inductees will be honoured and announced on July 16 at a luncheon held during our round seven game, 17 game sorry, against Werribee. So that'll be next weekend. Um, there will be 21 inductees to get us started, covering off players, coaches, administrators and volunteers across the club's history. While we're doing shout-outs, special shout-out to Johnny Ewer, who has done um, an absolutely superb job in building this and leading this and, and really getting it happening. And um, that, is, of course, has always been supported by the club's uh, committee, um, the board, you know, Dan Napoli and co, who continue to do an excellent job year in, year out. And um, this is sort of a belated program, but a very worthwhile one. Uh, and it's so exciting to be able to roll out uh, the first 21 inductees starting uh, next week and then I think there's going to be is it nine the year after and then they'll be rolled out sort of here and there following that but that's really exciting and, and as I said a, a wonderful initiative that the club has undertaken um, that does us for the weekend doesn't it, does, it? yes set to go um, thank you so much for listening in um, if you have chosen to listen in you know, as I mentioned before um, if you'd like uh, leave a review subscribe to the channel um, we very very much appreciate it um, we're brought to, of course, as always, by Budget Car and Truck Rental, just giving them another shout-out. Uh, look forward to another episode soon. We've already got an idea as to who that will be, so that's exciting. Uh, for me, Sean Peterbatch, thank you so much for listening. For Emily Ferguson. Thank you again for listening. We'll catch you again next week. We're a happy team at Barstool. We're the mighty fighters.